podcast episode 179 and dennis bernstein it's probably going to be like unlike the other 178 episodes this is a fun one my friend buckle up i'm looking forward to it on some levels and other (laughs) levels i'm not looking forward to it but john yes the uh the last 24 hours has been very interesting john but uh, let's get to it therapy is now in session here we go kings fans i'd like to start on a positive note dennis you know um i can be a cynic i can be a lot of things, but on occasion, I like to be optimistic as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to start with a really positive. Uh, at least it was positive. Again, I'm going to put a positive spin on this. Today is the 10-year anniversary of the outdoor game between the Kings and the Ducks at Dodger Stadium. Now, I know some people instantly are going to respond, but they lost that game, you know, 3 nothing. I understand. I get it. The Kings couldn't score a goal. It was, you know, not the outcome that anybody Sounds would familiar. have It does. Okay. But... What a spectacle. Oh, yeah. It was so fun hanging out with Kiss the night before, seeing them there, uh, just, the, the, you know, the whole thing. And, and I mean, even a year before that, Dowdy and Scuderi and Rob mm-hmm. chirping him from across the room about where, you know, where they're going to put the ice. Uh, just the entire thing, bringing an outdoor game to such a storied venue. Dennis, I have so many great memories from yeah. that weekend. Um, I just was curious, what memory do you carry with you about um, the outdoor game? Uh, Matt Green, that that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I actually left after the second period, got on a plane, flew to New York, and did the stadium series the next day in New York, where it was seventeen degrees and it was my butt was freezing. It was <laughs> brutally cold and windy. But yet, look, John, when you go to those games, you're not looking for an outcome or a result. You're looking for history. You're there to mm-hmm. attend history. And as Kings fan, yeah, they lost what it was one game out of 82. If you didn't have a memorable experience and, and can go back and think about that, I mean, is that the first thing you're thinking about? Like, oh, the Kings lost 3 nothing. No, I could, I, 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 if I was pressed, I couldn't probably tell you the score. But it was something that hopefully will be replicated. If not Dodger Stadium, maybe you you dial it up and go to SoFi. But that was a very memorable game. It was so great to see. And look, the Kings, the Ducks fans traveled as well. So it was great to have an, a capacity crowd at Dodger Stadium with Kiss performing. Like, how could you not say that night it wasn't memorable, but regardless of the, the outcome of a regular season game? It was one of 82 games, Dennis. And oh, by the way, the Kings won the Stanley Cup that year. So uh, if they had to lose one game along the way of their 82, that's a bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer that they lost because that is the memory that some people carry. Uh, but mm-hmm. just, man, what what a great time. Right. What a spectacle. Vin Scully, Bob Miller, 
uh, we could go on and on. There's sort of a Dodger tie into all of this as well, because coming off of the Ned Coletti podcast, which, by the way, I do just want to say thank you so much to all of the people that have called or texted or come by. We have had more positive feedback to the Ned Coletti episode than probably any episode we've ever done other than Mark Yannetti, which always does numbers through the roof. He's, you know, number one with the bullet. But Ned Coletti, people just... uh, Random people even that I haven't talked mm-hmm. to in a long time in the world yep. of hockey, uh, sending over text messages and saying, oh, really love the interview. It was great. It was great insight. And you know why it was uh, there was great insight there, Dennis, is I've said this before. He's one of the few people on the planet that has the experience that he has. Right. He sat in the big chair yep. for one of the biggest you know, sports franchises across any sport being the GM for the LA Dodgers. And then now being a scout for the San Jose sharks, he just sees things that other people haven't lived sure. uh, or has seen, excuse me, yeah. things that other people haven't lived yet. Um, so it, just great insight. He's a wonderful storyteller. Uh, we have to get him back on the podcast, but to continue with the theme of the Kings yeah. and the dot and the ducks playing at Dodger stadium, old friend, Steven Nelson, we're going to have him back yes. on the program today in the second period. Nelly. Yes. Sir. And I will tell you, funny enough, he was actually going to come on last week and we bumped him for Ned Coletti, <laughs> which Nelly got a real chuckle out of when we talked uh, uh, prior to having him uh, set this date up for today. So we'll have him on the program. We'll talk to Stephen Nelson. He's always great. If you're not familiar with his work, he used to um, cover the World Juniors for he would do the call the Team USA games, which now has been passed on to EJ Raddick. But he worked at NHL Network. He worked at MLB Network. And the Dodgers wisely, uh, I can talk today, Dennis, the Dodgers wisely scooped him up about a year ago and signed him to a multi-year deal. And he's even doing work now at ESPN on SportsCenter. So he's a real up-and-comer in the sports casting sort of world. And uh, who knows, maybe someday the Kings, there will be an opportunity for him to do hockey, which is one of his loves, and and he'll uh, be in Los Angeles. Not that we're trying to get rid of Nick Nixon anytime soon. No, no. We love Nick. You know, but at some point, Nick might decide uh, that, hey, hanging out and traveling the world is, you know, more fun than what he's been doing for the last 45 (laughs) years, or at least he's ready to move on to something else. So when that time comes, uh, Stephen Nelson is a phone call away, but we'll get him back on the program. Sure. All right. So with all of that said, Dennis, there's a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. last night. Right. I'd like to start with this. Um, A lot of people, not a lot, maybe that's the wrong word. Some people on social media like to come after us because we have not called for Todd's head. People want mm-hmm. Todd fired and they want right. people want change. And I talked about that on the last episode, how funny mm-hmm. it is that in the real world, people don't like change. Right. right. But when it comes to sports, they want change all the time. That's what they want. Fire the coach, trade a player, do this. Uh, I have not felt I was sharing with this with you privately. Yeah, it was last interesting. Night. Yeah. But I, I thought I would at least share it for perspective and context. Sure. I have not felt that change was imminent within the team or and even that it was a possibility throughout the last 12 you know, games or so. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, this is one of those things. Even McClellan made reference whatever he said that he was in Detroit, one, nine and two or something. Mm-hmm. And they went on to win the cup that year. Um, I, I've felt that it's, you know, depressing and that it's it's a bummer and all those sorts of things over the last 10 plus games. But I never really felt like. Oh boy, uh, so, something's yeah. Something needs to change. Something's yeah, up, right? I never felt it in the, air, in the air. But last mm-hmm. night in the third period, for me, the energy changed. The aura mm-hmm. changed. The environment changed. The optics. And I was like, I, I don't know, man. This is like 
you know, they won the game against New York. And I know that Rob came out and said, Rob Blake, general manager, said that they weren't going to make a change Mm -hmm. uh, Thursday of last week, I believe it was. And then, okay, they win the game on Saturday. Um, They lost to the Sharks, the worst team in the the NHL or one Mm -hmm. of the worst teams. They're up. They had a lead in the game against Buffalo. They should have beat Buffalo. Buffalo was playing the night before in Anaheim. Right. Man, it just... It, you know, even Todd talked about it in the press conference last night, which was 30 minutes after I was first feeling it. It just didn't feel right. It was a weird game. Um, mm-hmm. Wanted to get your reaction to that. I'm not saying that a change is coming. I'm just saying that for the first time, I felt that energy of, uh-oh. You? Um, well, that was rock bottom. I, I don't know how you could. You could go. The team could go to Denver tomorrow and lose 7-1. And that wouldn't be as bad as that game. You're up 3-1. And I think Drew's comments after the game added to it. Some guys are looking for the points and not looking to win. And that wasn't good. Um, I, I think that some people said, well, if they lose tonight uh, or they lose to Buffalo, that there's going to be a change. Now, if you go back to the timeline, you know, when I asked Rob on Thursday, you, is that an option? He said, absolutely not. So, so what would be the timeline? And then you, then you win the Ranger game. So that's that you lose to Nashville, then win the Ranger game. So you're not going to make a change there. So what you're going to tell me in two days, they're just going to all flip the script, call per- perspective, you know, coaches that could take Todd's place and make that happen. No, I don't think so. Now, if they go over three on this trip and they've lost what 15 of 17. Yeah. That, that, that's enough to make a change. Like regardless of our feelings and, and, and whatever. And um, well, that the also weight, buys you the yeah. time that you need also, right? Because then it's not a panicked, rushed, hurry move yeah. because you have 10 days of a break to yeah, right. put everything that, in place. True. Yeah, I still think you evaluate this team on an entire season. It was built to contend. And some people, but I get it. Like, you know what? If you lose 15 of 17, that wouldn't save Scotty Bowman, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that, that's the fact of life and everybody's aware of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, with respect to the social media, I don't know, John, I, I think it's about, um, well, for the first time you heard like definitive booing last night in the crowd in the third period and it deserved it. That was a terrible game. Everybody said it, the players, the coach, I'm sure if you took the people in the organization in the front office, they would say the same thing. Right. But, but I think the percentage of people that um, are frustrated, let's put it that way, that come out and vent their frustration on social media, it's still a very small percentage. I've had fans come to me and say, hey, you know, like not every, not every King fan hates the front office, the coach and the team, which is <laughs> these days you wouldn't you wouldn't get that perception. And not every fan hates number 80 also. Yeah, right. And, and I go back. I'll draw an analogy, John. And I gave this to you before we started the show. Right. Last week, the Chiefs and Bills played on Peacock, which is a subscription service for NBC. And it's the first playoff game it's ever been just on a subscription open platform. If you and when they announced it or you know put it on X or Twitter, and they announced that if you looked at all the responses of all the people, you would figure nobody was going to watch that game. I'm not doing it. It's a greedy. It's a grab. There's no way I'm not subscribing. So we think when you're looking at the responses um, on social media, you would think, okay, nobody subscribed to that game. They must have terrible ratings. 2.8 million people signed up for Peacock to watch that game. So I get it. Everybody's allowed a voice. And I get it. And they, they, are, they are right on certain levels. This is not acceptable, right? I get it. As a fan, you've got to be super frustrated, losing all these games. And then the game, the, the, their game is dropped off against San Jose and, uh, 
and Buffalo. But I still think it's a small set percentage of people. And look, people take swipes at us. That's fine. That's great. It's part of the game. We're both big boys. It's it's not a problem for me. I can take the criticism. I, I do have an issue sometimes with people that might have other platforms that would not ask the hard question. And we'll go to social media and rip the team left and right and fire the coach and fire the GM. But when push comes to shove and you're in a room with the players that or the people that you've criticized and you don't ask a hard question, please, like, don't ever come at us for saying we have done this or we haven't done this. And, and I'll say one final thing about this. For people to think that I'm friends with Tom McClellan, I give it, give it to easy. When I asked that question to him last <laughs> night, right? Hold on. People when said I that? asked that question, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got people. Oh, I'm soft. How many times have you had dinner with Todd? <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. When I asked that question, if it was a different person and didn't have a relationship with him about his job status, you probably don't get that same answer. You probably get a very short, curt answer. But And when he responded, he said, I respect that question, mm-hmm. right? And that's why like, you build a relationship with somebody because there's going to be at some point in time in sports to ask that tough question. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I'm not patting myself on my back, and I know some people think I am, but I will tell you that I don't think there's that many people covering this team that would go and, and do that, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I think you bring up some great points there, Dennis. We've uh, we've seen a lot of that this season, or enough of that, where people criticize on social media or in other, or in other platforms and then don't in the room. Um, we talked a little bit about that uh, on the last episode as well with the whole – you don't have t- you don't ask tough questions. Well, you, you know, you're, those are your questions. Those aren't my questions. I ask right. my questions. Um, I'm sorry if my questions aren't your questions. I don't mean you as in I'm <laughs> yeah, saying people right. on, on social media. I have every question that I have about this team that has been answered. There is nothing right now that has not been answered that I want answered uh, or that I don't feel that I already have the answer to. So, mm-hmm. but again, that's my list of questions. Yeah, your exactly. list, Dennis, might be different, and mm-hmm. anybody else covering the team or any fan for that matter, they might have a different list of questions. So, yeah, uh, it, it's and, and it's I, a very yeah. frustrating time because there's so much emotion involved in it. all of this. I get that part. I, I get it. You 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 your team lost twelve of fourteen. You want the coach fired? Normal normal response. But but I will. But but it's it's the underlying stuff. That, that gets to me. Like, I'll tell you this. The Kings have never told me to pull an article or not ask a question or criticize me for any question. I've covered this team for 20 years, and I haven't had the greatest relationship with them. Like, the last five years has been a lot better with this new regime. When Dean and Daryl were here, it wasn't great, right? It, it, it was tolerated, but they have never asked me to pull anything or commented or anybody from the front office saying, hey, that was an unfair question. You were out of line. So I, I will say this. I'm not defending the team. I'm just giving you the reality of how we do our jobs. So because mm-hmm. there's that perception out there that, you know, we're carrying water for this team and all this other nonsense that I, I just really get fed up. I'm an independent. I'm independent. I don't get paid by the team. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's my I don't want to go on too long about this, but but the, it got to a level last night where it was just a little too much even for someone like myself. Well, this is a relationship business, though, also, Dennis, and it's through our relationships that we've been able to get information, which allows us to break stories, have conversations. When you're in this business and when you do what we do, you don't bring forth everything that you know. You don't write everything that you know. Of course. You don't share everything that you know. Because sometimes you find stuff out 
it's not our business to tell other people. Sometimes you find things out that it's context for a previous article or for a future podcast. Sometimes it's information that's an opinion and that isn't fact. But if we trust that person's opinion, then we still want to hear it. So 95% of what we hear and what we talk about in talking to various people in person, over text, over phone, whatever, never sees the light of day. However, it's uh, the information that we share and provide is grounded in conversations. It's not just opinion. Uh, It's grounded in research, right? Yeah. Which leads me to the salary cap. Please. One of the, uh, and then we can move on and talk about some other stuff. Yes. Uh, One of the kind of hot button issues for a lot of fans right now, and again, I understand their frustration, their disappointment. They spend their hard-earned dollars on tickets yep. and merchandise and Team started great, else. looked like a Stanley Cup winner, and now this. Of course. Right. I mean, you know, all these people now that hate the roster and hate the team, I mean, where were they, you know, at the game game 30 mark? <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't I didn't get all of this feedback on Twitter when they and were... to reiterate, you know, we love the fans. I, for sure. How many... 99% of the fans, right? It, it's just repetitive that it's the same 12 individuals that might keep harping on stuff but we, that's we why the they fans. get muted or blocked <laughs> yeah exactly and that's and that people come up to, I, I still going back to the phone how many times have people come up to us thanked us new people come up we hear the podcast we great it's uh, i'll even shout out to our friend there's a guy in ottawa who, who's who's begging for a, a, a podcast he's like please i need some rehab i said ah oh, this afternoon we'll do it right and, and we have yet to have anybody anybody ever or maybe once john Come up to me and say, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. You're idiots. No one's ever publicly done that. So, again, this is not pointed at the large majority of fans. It's the handful of people that, you know, like to stir stuff up. So, please. I, I will say, though, Dennis, that that yeah. some of what I agree with you, but some of what those people are stirring up, the minority stir up, I will admit that at least there are some people, other people out there, even people that might be fans of our work and enjoy our work, who have similar questions. Like, I think it's a fair question on the surface to ask, and there's the question, well, why would you trade for Dubois? Why wouldn't you just keep, Vel- oh, man, I wish you would have kept Velarde and Ayafalo mm-hmm. and Kapari. And look, the money works out to be about the same, right? Well, yes and no, because it's not a linear conversation. Right. So if you're a longtime fan and you remember Dean Lombardi talking about the boxes and you have to fill the boxes, then... We're going to talk about filling the boxes. Mm-hmm. But if you just like math or you just want a deeper understanding, yeah. it's 23 play up to 23. It up doesn't have three. to be, but right. up to 23 players and you have to fit them all together. Mm-hmm. So here's the problem, Dennis. People ask, well, why couldn't they just do that? Why couldn't they bring the whole team back from last year? Mm-hmm. Here's why. If you take the team as it existed the day that they exited the playoffs, and this isn't like uh, what do you call that three card money on New York streets yeah. of New York? This isn't like this isn't like the three card money or the, the shell game. shuffle not, on the video. Right. Yeah, it's not a shell game. That's what I was looking for. Okay, this is yeah. not a shell game. Okay, I'm right. giving you real math here, if, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to keep it simple because math is hard to do verbally. It's, it's more hard. of a written thing, especially right? when it's salary cap math. Okay, but I'm going to try to keep it high level. Go ahead. If you Take the team that ended last year and you say, hey, I want to carry that exact team Mm -hmm. into this season. Okay, you have a problem because Mikey Anderson was going from one million dollars to over four million dollars. He's getting Mm -hmm. a big raise. Trevor Moore was going from one point and some change. He's getting a raise, too. It's around five million dollars 
that the team right then mm-hmm. they were five million dollars over the salary cap with those raises. You have to factor in the raises because last year Mikey Anderson cost one million dollars. Yeah. This year he cost four million dollars. Right. Right. It works the other way too because next year Andre Kopitar is going to cost less money yeah. because he's moving down to seven million. But there were no contracts that were going down this year. Everything was going mm-hmm. up. So those two contracts put you up. And then you go, okay, well, I have an idea, John. Um, do the Cal Peterson trade and do the uh, Sean Walker trade, and then you'll free up some money. Okay, well, that's not enough money because in order to trade Cal Peterson, they had to retain mm-hmm. $2 million in that three-way trade. So right. Peterson and Walker alone is not going to get you there, Okay. But I'm going to entertain it for just a second, Dennis. Yeah, go ahead. Let's assume that the math worked out perfectly. So you take last year's roster. Uh-oh, there's an increase to Mikey Anderson and Trevor Moore. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to trade Cal Peterson out, and we're going to trade uh, uh, Sean Walker out. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you're cap neutral, right? Mm-hmm. In a best-case scenario. But you also still need a goaltender. Yep. How are you going to add a goaltender to the roster? Because you need money to add the goaltender. And mm-hmm. you also really needed to replace your seventh defenseman as well. So you're short mm-hmm. two players now. How are you going to do that? Even on league minimums, Dennis, even at 750, 800,000, you need money. You go, oh, okay, well, let's trade Sean Dursey then. Okay, so you, mm-hmm. tra- you trade Sean Dursey. That's 1.7 million. That's going to get you two league minimum players to replace those two spots that I just mentioned. Right. And you st- through all that, you still have Gabe Velarde. Okay, well, here's the problem. They believe that Gabe Velarde is a winger. Now, people can debate that, and they can tell you, you know, he's a center. He can play three seasons. There's no debate. He's not a, he's not a center. Okay, but they believed, and, and that's their right. They're entitled to their opinion, right? They believe that he was a winger. So who's going to play yeah. 3C? Okay, you're going to put Byfield at 3C, which means that then you would probably have to move Velarde up in the lineup. Who's going to play on the Kopitar line? If people have learned nothing by now, they should learn that it takes a very unique player to play with Andre Kopitar. And those that play with him play very well, i.e. I follow Justin Williams, Dustin Brown. And those Mm -hmm. that don't, even though they're great players, they don't play well with him, i.e. Tyler Tavoli, right? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. the list goes on and on. Right. So how you put the 23-man roster together, it's, it's very challenging because when you... When you take one piece out, it's not a one-for-one replacement. So when you add a piece, it's not a one-for-one replacement either. Alex Iafalo, great locker room guy. The team could probably use him right now, in my opinion. But Mm -hmm. he was replaced by Trevor Moore. That's essentially what it was. Right. Trevor Moore. That's the choice. Right. That's the choice. They made the, The team made a choice. You can't have both. It doesn't make sense. They're redundant. They chose Trevor Moore. Alex Iafalo would have been on the fourth line. So. These things, you you can't have these conversations in a linear fashion uh, without understanding the rest of the pieces. And again, I'm just trying to explain the math to people, Dennis. I'm not arguing for or against any of the moves. What I'm saying is this. If you want to come at me with, they should have kept Sean Dersey. Okay, well, show me your roster. Show me how right, it works. Right. Because I'll, 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 I'll entertain that for just a second. And thank you for indulging me in this long-winded yeah salary cap discussion. I'll have a response, but I'll indulge the Sean. They should have kept Sean Dersey comment because I would agree with many people that Sean Dersey brought intangibles that this team is lacking or needs. You know, he, he brought something. Okay. We can debate his defensive prowess or not, but if you keep Sean Dersey and his 1.7 million, tell me who the other six defensemen are. 
because for Sean Dursey to stay, if he's staying on the right side, you automatically now are pretty much getting rid of Spence or Clark or excuse me, and Clark, right? Other right. than being in a seventh defenseman role, because what you're saying is you're going to go Dowdy, Roy, Dursey, or Dowdy, Dursey, Roy down the right side. And if you're like, no, 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 John, you need Jordan Spence on the team, or you need Brant Clark on the team. Okay, well, how are you going to make that happen then? In order to make that happen, you're going to tell mm-hmm. me that Roy or Dursey are going to play on the left side in order to make that happen? You've lost my interest. I'm not interested. So... I can agree that Sean Dursey is a good player, a decent player, brings intangibles, has offensive capability, help the power play. I can agree with a lot of things until you tell me where you're going to play him on the LA Kings roster because I'm not taking Sean Dursey over Matt Roy, Jordan Spence, and Brent Clark. And I'm talking right. about Matt Roy playing on the right side. So I saw what Sean Dursey could do on the left. Didn't like it. I don't like playing players out of position. I don't think it puts them in their best, uh, gives them their best opportunity to succeed. So I wish Sean Dursey all the best. This isn't anything about Sean Dursey. This is about the other players in the organization. And if you want Jordan Spence or you want Brant Clark, then you can't have Sean Dursey. You can't have them all, Dennis. It doesn't work. Yeah. A, a couple of things there. Um, so the people after game six last year against Edmonton who said, Something's got to change. This team isn't good enough to beat Edmonton. You need better players. Are now saying you want to bring the team. You wanted the exact same team back. You can't have it both ways. This team wasn't good enough to, to beat Edmonton. You had to make some changes. You had to make some hard decisions. One hasn't worked out. But I'll tell you this: Gabe Velarde's missed forty-three percent of the Winnipeg Jet games. Right. Alex I follow for a solid is, and I agree with it. It could lose him in the room right now. Has 17 points, and Trevor Moore has, what, 22 goals? So there's the choice. And what would the reaction be if the Kings signed Corpusal to that contract for, what, $4 million per for five more year, for four more years? And he's got, what, uh, men, uh, um, uh, no trade clause in it. And his save percentage is 889, and his goals against is 347. Then, then what would this team be, right? So I, I get all this. What if could be? What if, right? It, it doesn't make it, to me. That's the part that doesn't make sense. You should have brought the, back the entire team. Gabe Lardy might play fifty games this year, and if he missed twenty games in the beginning of the season for this team, how well would they have been off? So, I, I, and and look, I agree with the with the people at Game Six that said this team wasn't good enough. You had to make changes. Right. Can they second guess 42 games into the season that the PLD trade is a disaster? Yeah. On its, on its results and its merits right now. Yeah. Fair criticism. Right. I'm not writing the book on that right now. He has to be better. Everybody knows he has to be better. Drew's comments kind of hinted that he needs to be better. But, but that's well, not let's talk about yeah. that in the third yeah. period about who he was okay. talking about because there's been a lot of speculation. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, that is it. No, no. I, I just, that's how I look at that as, you, you couldn't bring back the same team. It wasn't good enough down the middle. Like, do you really think that Blake Lazat and Rasmus Kapari, the 3-4-C, was going to be Edmonton this year too? Is that what you were going to do? Like, so I, I don't I don't get that. It's got to be either one or the other, right? And, and right, you can second guess. And, and second guessing the organization for the trade, wow, that's fine. I don't care. I, it's hard to argue against that. But, I mean, it, it's Dennis, just if somebody was to tweet you or to tweet me today and say, wow, this trade has not really worked out thus far. I mean, how would either one of us argue that? 
You yeah, can't. I'm argue. not looking to defend the organization. I'm just looking at the results and saying, okay, this play, and I'm looking at the optics of the player as well. Yeah, it's it's right now. It hasn't worked. However, when they make when certain fans though, when certain people say they should have kept Velarde and Iafalo and that whole thing instead of uh, PLD, that's where I jump in though and say, well, hold on, they couldn't. The math yeah. on that wouldn't work. And just like I hear people say, instead of spending $8 million on PLD, they should have spent money on a goaltender. Well, wanting better goaltending is a fair want. It's a fair desire, okay? Again, though, I say this. It's really impossible to have a conversation about one player or a group of players. What you need to do, and I challenge anybody, and I don't mean this in like a I challenge you way. I just mean... I mean, I would love to engage in an intelligent conversation and to do so, please provide me with a roster. Show me the 21, 22 or 23 people that you have on a roster that I can respond to that. I can react to. I can look down the middle. I can look at the defense. I can look at the goaltending. That's that's somebody coming and saying, hey, John, if I was the GM and I had 80 million dollars to spend, this is how I would have spent it. But you can't just say. Spending $8 million on Dubois was stupid. You should have spent money on goaltending. It's it's not that easy. It's not a yeah. one-to-one linear point, Dennis. And they would have spent the money on Copa Salo. And then what would have happened, right? I mean, you look at his numbers. And I look, Cam's regressed. Has to be better. A couple of goals last night just can't go in. But, but it would have been an entirely different situation. You can't tell me even that could happen, John, and somebody could prevent – could present you with that roster, that it'd be any better than the team right now. Well, you just stole my headline. I was getting ready to go to break here. We have Steven Nelson waiting on the other side. In the third period, I want to talk about goaltending. I brought it up last episode. It's just not getting a lot of traction. And Dennis, the goaltending has been horrible. And it's starting to harken back to last year when you had two goaltenders that were basically costing the team wins. I think we're at that point again right now. You and I can talk about that on the other sure. side of the break. But first, let's let's bring some positivity to the show. Let's Please. bring some laughter to the show. On the other side of the break, Steven Nelson will join us. And I'm sure that Nelly can lift us out of this funk DB. And then you and I can come back in the third and talk more about the LA Kings. Let's do it. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, second period. Now, I have to admit, we are about 30 days late for getting this guy on. Uh, (laughs) Steven Nelson has become a holiday tradition at Kings of the Podcast, and that was tied to the World Junior Tournament, which he is no longer doing. We will get into all of that. However, I want to kick the program off today, or our our interview here, Nelly, and tell you, happy anniversary. (laughs) Thank you, Mayor. I I say thank you and sorry, because you're right. It it has been... A journey to get to this point, us reuniting on the podcast and talking again, because I've been such a pain in the ass for you to schedule just because life keeps happening. You know, now I don't, when we first, when we first got connected years ago, I had, I had zero kids. 
Mm-hmm. And, and now I now I have two tiny humans, and um, yeah, it's just been it's just been a, a crazy time. It's been a crazy year, but a very blessed one. And I think the anniversary you're you're referencing is the, the uh, joining of the Dodgers. It is yes, January twentieth. Yeah. You were named uh, to to work for the Dodgers, and that's kind of a, a big dream, pinch me moment yeah. for you. Man, what and, and uh, what a what a what, happy, happy, happy anniversary it is, man. Cause that it's, uh, life changing, life changing in, in so many incredible ways. And, uh, you know, I, I still, a, a year in, I still feel like, you know, and that, that honeymoon phase, like it's still, I'm still just beyond words happy. Now, um, you know, upon further reflection here over the last couple of weeks, I've come to think that perhaps while the rest of us are playing checkers, um, the general manager and the ownership group of the L.A. Dodgers might be playing some sort of 4D chess. They signed you a year in advance as part of the recruiting pitch for Otani. I figured the whole thing out. It just took me a long time to get there. That was why they signed you. Totally. Yeah. You know, I, you know, when uh, when Otani and Yamamoto entered their their free agency at the very top of their list of requirements was my presence. Yeah. in the broadcast booth. Yes. No, it's not the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. It is not the established infrastructure of development and greatness. It is not the talent pipeline. (laughs) It is not the tradition of, of excellence and winning. It is not the, you know, iconic brand in sports. It was, it was definitely the clown, (laughs) <laughs> who occasionally talked on television? That was their no. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it, uh, well. Joke jokes aside, it is it is such an exciting time to be a Dodger fan, but especially one uh, like me who's Japanese American. You know, yeah. it's um, is it surreal though? Before. Like like when you first <laughs> signed on, you would have never thought. Like first of all, it's a dream moment, right? You get you get signed right. by the Dodgers. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm working for the L.A. Dodgers for the next couple of years. Like this is it's yeah. a dream gig. Like it's awesome. And like you said, you're still in the honeymoon phase. Everything is great. And then you get to the off season, And when it I mean, like there were rumors at the trade deadline and whatnot. But when it really started to become a reality, did you ever just stop and think for a sec? Is this really happening? This is my life. Like Otani <laughs> is coming to the Dodgers. Yeah, no, it, it was funny. My, my, my wife was was joking with me kind of after. Uh, Shohei initially agreed because like the whole the last because it, it's been like talked about for a long time right so I mean, really for, for, for can we years, just forget the, can we just forget the 24-hour period though before it happened yeah. when like there oh, were the fake airplane no, rides no, and all that stuff no, like no, so that's what I'm saying it's like oh, so so I'll get to that so, like, oh, okay so, for, for years and years like this has been talked about right and the yeah. Dodgers pursuit of Otani goes back a long long time but especially this past year when it was Shohei's walk year with the Angels, it was kind of like everybody was putting him on the Dodgers, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Guys, stop! Like you're gonna you're messing with the universe. Like everyone's saying this way too much. Like he's gonna go to another place." Uh, and I was I felt like totally kind of at like, look, I you know I've I, I think the world of Otani, obviously not just as a player, but like in, in interacting with him, my time at the network and stuff, like just the way he goes about his his business is. Uh, it's really uh, like kind of awe inspiring, and um, I, so I I was just was happy for him and and, and Ipe Mizuhara, who's his interpreter, who's also just an awesome dude. Um, so I was kind of like 
and whatever whatever they do, whatever's going to make them happy, like good for them. Mm-hmm. And then the Toronto stuff happened, and like <laughs> that, as that as that day was going out, I was like, "Damn, I'm I'm not going to lie to you, like I'm I'm pretty bummed right now." Like, yeah, right. My my wife was like, she was, I was just kind of refreshing my phone the whole day, and my wife was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm fine. no, I'm honey, fine. I'm not okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you fine? Why are you asking me if I'm fine? I'm totally fine." So, <laughs> and then of course, obviously, like it. He just posts like a grainy logo on Instagram, and that's the it, which is just so perfect given the way the circus played out. Like that's how it ended, right? And then when that happened, it was just I was I was at a uh, one of my uh, buddy's weddings. I was a groomsman in one of my friend's weddings in in Florida, and we were taking like bridal uh, wedding party sh- uh, photos. Wait, hold on, hold on, like, hold on, hold on. Who who gets married in December or January? That's not wedding season. And eight hey, in Florida, that's allowed, right? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> uh, and, and so we're taking these photos, and everyone's like, "Nelly, like Otani," and I'm like, "What?" Because I, you know, I didn't have my phone because I was, I'm trying to be in the moment, you know. <laughs> sure, it's, it's of course. Special day, <laughs> and, and so then we're all just like, I it's like I became the groom. Everyone was like celebrating for me. It was like, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> No, guys, it's Tom's wedding, not mine. Yeah. Uh, so that it was that was a, that was a wild time, and obviously, like, incredibly exciting. And then you know his, his press conference was just a, a circus. Uh, and then, I mean, what, right that ends, and the glass now trade gets kind of uh, reported yeah. like moments after the press conference, and then Yamamoto to follow, and then Teoscar. It's been a it's been a, a crazy off season, but it's it's setting us up for what you know we all hope we all hope will be. Uh, uh, a fun 2024. Yeah. What, uh, we'll get to hockey in a minute. Don't worry. But what has you most excited? Because there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Dodger fan, but what has you most excited heading into this season? Uh, I think it's just the fact that, um, I mean, how do I put it? Like, all eyes will be on this team, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think like that's a really, cool position to be in and it's not a comfortable one you know and, and I, <laughs> I talk as someone who is definitely not on the field okay like i'm like i'm not i'm not the one playing the game but sure. like to to be able to, to to watch a group that has so much star power so much expectation and pressure right now and you know the athlete cliche is the pressure is a privilege well god this might be the most privileged team <laughs> uh you know because there's so much pressure on them given the activity this off season but you know like i'm just so thrilled because um the folks in the front office and this coaching staff like there, there is there's so many people behind the scenes that fans just like they they, they don't know enough about and they don't appreciate enough just the, the work that goes into making this machine run that mm-hmm. is the Dodgers. And like, I'm just so excited for all of them to like be tested like this, to be able to show like just how special a group this is. Um, and I'm, again, I'm talking beyond the players. So I think that's what I'm really fired up for because uh, my first year here, I was just blown away by kind of the operation and um, just how it's this like truly a buffet of of knowledge and expertise and if you're a player it, whatever works for you whatever you are seeking out it, it's there for you and if you don't want uh that dish you know if you don't want the scrambled eggs you would rather have an omelet you can go to the omelet station but if you if the omelet is too much for you you, you can have scrambled eggs right and like so 
I, I thought, I just think that like the, the whole kind of um, team and, and and machine being on display this year for not just all of baseball to see, but the entire like sports world to see uh, is, is kind of, is going to be really cool. And just, just to have like a, a bird's eye view to that. Yeah. You, there was something you said there at the very beginning though, that I, I thought you were alluding to the grind of it all as well, because you know, we, we talk about the 82 game season in hockey. It's, it's 162 games. Like this isn't just like, Hey, let's watch everybody go to an all-star game or to an international tournament for two weeks. There's 162 baseball games that are ahead. It's a crazy yeah. long season. It's, it's on display for a very long time. It's a grind. Totally. Totally. And, and honestly, my, and the, there's another reminder of that my first year last year, right? Cause you know, into June there was, you know, people were kind of panicking. I think about the Dodgers, like, Oh, is the dynasty finally over? Are they, is this, is this a mediocre baseball team finally? And then they turn it on. Right. And then they end up winning a hundred games for a fourth consecutive, you know, full season, something no other team has done in what was supposed to be a reset transition year. Right. So I think, you know, th- this team's schedule does not set up well for them to start this year. They have to go. They have <laughs> the, the long Soul trip. Series. <laughs> yeah, they have to go to the Soul, Soul Series. And having just done that travel back from the WBC last year in Tokyo to come back to the States, like in experiencing that jet lag, it is so real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was blown away by how real it was. So they're going to have those series uh, the, the the games in Seoul against the Padres which are going to be charged up anyway and will be a spectacle anyway and then you got to come back and you know their 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 first month out the gate is it's not easy um and and so I think to to your point like if this team um is slow out of the gates it's just kind of reminding yourself that hey this is a 162 game marathon hey last year's team took till june mm-hmm. to, to really get going and also this team has, does have to go through that process that every team and every sport goes through which is getting to know each other and gelling and forming camaraderie and chemistry and all that like that that takes time and so they're going to be thrown to the fire right away which you know hopefully will help them yeah, well, unfortunately, it cuts spring training short, uh, which is a disappointment for me because I really enjoy being at, at Camelback and spending spending a lot of yeah. time in March, you know, over there. But uh, I will I will just ask that you enjoy your time on this trip uh, going over to Seoul because, you know, all of my favorite Do- – well, not all of them because one of them was at Fenway, but a lot of my favorite Dodger memories happened at Dodger Stadium or at least in a major league ballpark. However, yeah. I was pretty privileged uh, in the sense that I was able to go see the Dodgers and Padres, ironically, play a three-game series in China uh, in 2008. Whoa. And let me just tell you, it's nothing like a major league experience because you're not in a major league ballpark. So everything is different. It was at the yeah. Olympic Stadium, which is small, only holds like 12,000. So it was more like seeing a college game anyway. But the point is, it's such a unique and truly once in a lifetime opportunity. And I think that that phrase is maybe thrown around too often, um, especially by sports fans, but you're getting a true once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to see the Dodgers play there. And uh, it should be just a a fantastic and wonderful experience. And like you said, I think that'll give perspective uh, if the team did get off to a slow start, like, Hey, this just isn't normal life right now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll be watching from afar because Joe Davis will be, will be the one making the trip. Uh, Oh, you're not even going. Not even going. So oh. I'll be, you know, I've set set the alarm early. They, you know, it's been 
uh, it's really, really in the morning uh, when those games get going out here on the West Coast. So, but yeah, that's where I'll be. I'll be watching and listening to, to Joe and Oral and, and Kirsten and, and and the crew out there. But it's it's going to be dialed up. Like see, like what you're saying though, like it's not it's not a huge venue. Like uh, there's you know it's going to be an interesting kind of ticket situation for any Dodger fans who are thinking about making the trip. From what I've been reading, but uh, I, I'm still like excited to just see the scenes because it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Uh, Well, hey, let's transition to hockey. Speaking of early in the morning, this was an opportunity for the World Junior Championship uh, to head back over to Europe. Me personally, I'm excited that for the next three seasons, it'll be back on North American soil. It'll be in Ottawa next year. And then uh, after that, it'll be in the Twin Cities and then back to Canada. So three years in North America. But this year it was over in Sweden and you weren't part of the call you were missed. It was missing. You you brought in a, a certain flavor, a certain style, and you made the World Juniors, especially the Team USA games. It was your own thing. Did you watch any of the games? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I did not. Um, it was I, and and the reason being, like I, I just don't get NHL Network anymore, um, so I, I wasn't able to. But I did make a point to to you know kind of watch as much online as I could whether it was highlights or you know YouTube videos or, or streams that was um, just so that you could send EJ a text and tell him what a great job he was doing that, that's no, not I, I, and, and true that's why I texted EJ I was like <laughs> hey man I try I, I was like hey I try, tried to watch as much as I could I, I, I was so happy for for him and star uh, to be able to watch such a dominant run you know and, and calling a calling a gold medal to World Junior Championship like that's you know, <laughs> that's day one, you know, for, for hockey fans and, ho- and hockey broadcasters. And, and, and for EJ, he, he's been on both sides of the booth, right? He's, he's worked that tournament in, a, in an analyst capacity. Um, he has worked it in a studio capacity, and, and now he's, he's done it in play-by-play. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I have a great relationship and friendship with EJ that uh, we, you know, we built over our shared time together at the network. So I, I was just so happy for him. I, I, I was bummed at the same time because, you know, they obviously didn't send them, uh, which has been the case since the, the pandemic. Heartbreaker. The yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's, it's stupid and, and silly, but that's a, you know, conversation for another day. Uh, you know, it's just, it's people don't understand. Like if, I, I, I imagine that there was some criticism. I, I've stayed off social media for, for a long time now, but I imagine there was some criticism. Um, but about like uh, uh, player recognition, but U- USA Hockey for for years now they they've been using the the red numbers on the blue jerseys, and and they may look cool in person, and they they may sell in the USA Hockey store, but they're atrocious for, for broadcast. <laughs> they're atrocious for broadcast, and so you know it for that tournament it, it it'll take you until the medal rounds to really like okay now. I'm recognizing players based on, you know, their, their on ice mannerisms and physical look as opposed to like number memorization. Cause I can't even see the numbers anymore. And so that just, again, I, and that's why the, the, the decision to not send the broadcasters is so aggravating because it puts the announcers um, at the forefront of this criticism that isn't theirs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's such a, it's such a tough task. Uh, so anyway, I, I think, um, I, I did not watch it to answer your original question. Uh, I did have so much FOMO, but I also uh, was was so happy for for my friends to be able to call what was a a, a thoroughly dominant effort from Team USA. Yeah, when you were saying that, I was sitting here wondering if Starman experiences some of um, beyond the jersey, the, the red and the blues and stuff. Just if if Starman experiences 
some of what I go through bouncing between Ontario and going to LA uh, in the fact that he covers some college games and that players would yeah. be wearing a different number. That was always confusing. Like at the Olympics, yeah. I remember <laughs> Dustin Brown wore 32 and it was always, my brain didn't know how to process that. I'll go to Ontario and a player will wear a different number than when he's up in LA or a player in Ontario is wearing the number of somebody else in Los Angeles. And it does take a second to reset. Like if I don't go to a rain game for a couple of weeks and then, and I see a player, it, 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 it that reset. Uh, I'm wondering if, if star had to go through that at all. Um, I texted with him a little bit uh, while he was over there. We need to get him back on the program, but you were you the priority. Awesome. We wanted to get you on. He was great. <laughs> did I tell you the story about when I ran into him at the airport, by the way? <laughs> you did. You yeah. did, which is, that made my day when you told me that. It's, I mean, that was just so perfect. It, it was so perfect. It was so, like, just weird. You know, when you're at an airport, you don't expect to run into people, especially in Minneapolis. Like, maybe you would run into somebody that you know in an, in an airport in Southern California. But, uh, right. yeah, we just... And it was like two cats running into a sliding glass door. Like, you know, we just kind of like shook our head. Like we kind of, I know you, but what are, this is the wrong place. Like, what are you doing at the airport? What am I doing at the airport? Which always leads to that dumb question, right? Like, Oh, what are you doing here? Well, I mean, what do you think I'm doing here? Like I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't come to get snacks in a magazine. Like, uh, it's, it's always fun. Um, okay. So world juniors, uh, here's a question for you. When you watch, and this doesn't have to be hockey. It could be baseball as well. When you watch, other games do you find yourself at times i don't want to say being critical of the other broadcasters but do you do you watch a game and then think oh that's interesting um i want to do that during my broadcast or do you watch a game and go oh wow is that what i sound like when i say such and such i don't want to do that anymore like do you reflect on the broadcasting or when you're watching a game can you completely take off your headset so to speak and just you know be a fan of what's happening on the field or on the ice Man, that's an excellent question, man. I'll be honest. It kind of varies. I think I, when I'm watching games, um, like regular season games, I tend to just watch the, the action. Like I just kind of watch the flow of the game. On the bigger stages, that's when I tend to shift my viewing toward the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Because I, I want to see how the best in the business handle the biggest moments. And... Um, I, so I'm, it's never, and it's never from a critical lens. It's always right. from a studying, studying lens. Like I, I, I used to like when I was like super young, like a student or a sports fan growing up, I'm, I was hypercritical of broadcast. And then like, you know, kind of stepping into the metaphorical uh, arena, just, and, and having a thorough appreciation for just how uh, subjective the business is, how, you know, personal and individual, the experiences uh, I now like, I don't, I, I try not to like throw stones from, uh, while living in a, in a, in a glass house, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I know that there are a ton of fans, a, a ton of media members or broadcasters who may watch my work and be like, man, I don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. Or I don't hear it with this guy. And so uh, I, I, I never watch it from like a, Oh, this, this, this broadcaster's trash kind of view. Like I'm always kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Like, I wonder like oh, that verbiage or kind of that structure to a call. Like I'm, I, I am always thinking about that stuff when I'm watching like those big games. Um, because you know, I, I just, I'm, you know, I, I want, I, I want to get better and improve like this, the play by play, um, part of the business is, you know, we've talked about before that was not an area I really thought my career would go. I really thought I was going to be 
a male model? <laughs> Definitely not. Have I think that's what you face? told me offline. You you thought uh, you were going to yeah. be a male model. Uh, a male model for those blind <laughs> test mice. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think now that I am in it, uh, I, you know, I want to bust my ass to make sure I'm, I'm the best that I can be. And um, so, you know, the only way to do that is, is to watch and listen to the best. So I, yeah, it's a great question. So I, I, I uh, it's a little bit of both. And if the kids are around, then it's definitely just the former. I'm only watching the action. I can't hear shit. <laughs> um, how about this one? What, is there is there something that only works in baseball that, that doesn't work in hockey or, or vice versa? Now, obviously, the game is more fluid Ooh. in hockey, so you, you have to really call the action more. It never stops. Where in baseball, you get those those moments to breathe a little bit and you can tell some stories, but beyond the obvious of that, is there something that maybe that you've done in hockey that you've tried in baseball and been like, no, that doesn't work there. I can't do that. Or that maybe you've never even tried it just because you, you instinctively believe that, no, I can't do that in, in either of the two sports. So yes, I'll steal a line from a top gun and that scenery is like, if, if you think you're dead in hockey, if you think you're dead, you have to be, ahead of the play, you know, you know, who has the puck. And as you announce who has the puck, like I'm looking at who's with them or, or if there's somebody working from the point, I'm looking to see who's back door or who's sitting in the bumper, right? Like you have to be ahead of the play because if you're with the play or behind the play and you're trying to play catch up, you're thinking, and if you think you're dead, so that's, that's how like, um, and I don't say that as like some expert on calling hockey. I'm, I'm not calling hockey anymore these days, but like, that's just the, that's what I came to, to learn and understand in, in, in working that sport. Whereas in baseball, you almost have too much time to think and you can get in your head in some moments. And so I, I try to not, I try to just kind of, um, take deep breaths. I do that a lot. Like hit the cough button, take deep breaths, just not to, just to kind of settle myself. Um, so it's yeah, over overthinking is killer in both both sports, but for for different reasons. Yeah, um, on the baseball front, by the way, I don't know if I've told you this before, but uh, Eric Karros does not get enough appreciation in Los Angeles. This is the guy <laughs> who is the all time home run leader in Los Angeles, and for some fans, he's like an afterthought. Eric Karros is an absolute diehard Dodger legend and does not get yeah. the, the respect that he deserves. So I just wanted to pass that out there into the universe so that you can pick up the ball and run with that because uh, 23 deserves a lot more respect than he gets. I'll, I'm, I'm going to pass that on to EK. And I actually agree with you. And you know what? Dude, I, here's I, what you need to pass I, on I to him. I tried to get him on the podcast. I ran into him at a UCLA baseball game one night. Now, mind you, he was <laughs> probably watching his son or doing whatever. But yeah, yeah, I tried yeah. to connect with him and tried to get him on the podcast. And he... He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he big leagued me a little bit, and I have well, defended this you. guy. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, that is a hundred. He was probably watching. I mean, if depending on the year, he was definitely watching his sons and having worked with him in booths during games while his sons are playing games. <laughs> um, he he is a different human when he's watching his kids. Fair, so fair. He, he was he was probably like too amped up, stressed out. Uh, to even hear what you were saying. So okay. uh, that's, that's what I was just more time and place uh, situational. 
uh, than, than anything else. Well, you get uh, him on I, the I, podcast and that will make up for all of the, uh, the, the, the stop and go drama that you and I have been dealing with for the last 30 days. I will forgive you if you get Carol's on the podcast. Absolutely forgiving. Okay. okay. All right. I will. I, I, that is my number one goal at the outset of the 2024 baseball season is to atone for my misgivings with the mayor and get EK. Nelly, Nelly, you're not even going to Seoul. You have nothing to do. You're at home. Like, make it happen. Let's go. Well, yeah. Okay. So, well, now, now, like, you know, doing I'm Anchorage Sports <laughs> Center when I'm not working, and and then when I'm when I'm home, I like my my wife, who's an absolute saint. Like, if I'm home and not working, then it, then I, I really got to step up with the boys, and so like I just you know yes, that's I'm I'm trying to figure out how to do this life thing. John, and it's hard. I, it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard, man. Is it harder now? Because when you were at the network and you were based in New Jersey, you I'm assuming you were home more, right? No. So and that's what's weird. So I'm working so much less than I was with the network. Like the network, like, you know, if you're like me, one of those kind of swing broadcasters that they bounce between MLB network and NHL network, um, they, they grind you, you know, mm-hmm. they, uh, which I love, like I like working, you know, so I, I didn't mind that at all. And I love doing both sports and therefore I was afforded so many awesome opportunities, you know, the, the world juniors chief among them. Um, but this past year I realized like, damn, I got, I got some downtime now. So that's why I like, you know, joining uh, ESPN and sports center out here in LA, like it's been great because it kind of keeps me sharp, keeps me kind of in it uh, in front of that red light. So that when, you know, it's back to Dodgers baseball, I'm, I'm not too much of a deer in the headlights. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. oh we're, we're, we're back. We're, we're live. Well, welcome to the TV folks. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so it's, it, it's been a lot more time, which is great. Like, because now I, I, I'm able to be around my boys and, and my family and um, my boys as in my children and my boys like my homies. I don't see any friends anymore. Um, <laughs> so, Fair. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's been, it's been a huge blessing in that way. Like, you know, I have damn, I have so much time. And so I'm I'm using all that time to just kind of be present with my kids because I know like there may come a time when one, they don't want to hang out with me or two, like, um, you know, maybe the work schedule gets busier in, you know, in future years. So taking advantage of it while we can. All right, Nelly, you're still my boy. I've loved you from day one. You're a pain in the ass to get on the show sometimes, but uh, it's well worth it. I I appreciate the conversation today. I look forward to uh, EK coming on the the podcast this season and uh, best of luck. We'll look for you on sports center. We'll look for you on the Dodger games. Uh, I'm sure we'll connect soon. So John, you are, yeah, we are boys. You have been a day one as have I the other way, two way street. And now that I'm here, like shoot last night, I was, I was at ESPN when there's the, the Kings game. So like, we got to do like a pre or well, definitely a pregame because post game I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working, but, uh, because the show goes on late, but we finally have to do the, the, the pregame beverage. So we'll set that up. Like, uh, you know, look at the, cross-reference the King's calendar and ESPN calendar and finally get this, uh, you know, get the, get this meal that I owe you.
All right. We'll make it happen, Nelly. Thanks for jumping in here today. Uh, best of luck at figuring out life with your wife and the boys and really happy for all the success. A little bit bummed that you're not doing hockey, but uh, if you couldn't oh. do hockey, I guess we're going to have to live with the fact that you're doing the Dodgers. Uh, just fantastic and really looking forward to the uh, the upcoming season. Appreciate you, brother. All right. We'll talk soon. There you go. Steven Nelson. We'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll talk a little more L.A. Kings hockey. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, Kings of the Podcast. Here we go. Uh, Dennis, first of all, thank you to Stephen Nelson yeah, for jumping in the there. Best. Love talking to Nelly. Uh, always have a good time. And uh, Long time KOTP fan. Yes, he's he's Long been there time. from the beginning. From day one. Uh, he's just been a, he's, he's a great supporter. He's a great fan. He's a great friend. And uh Love talking with them. Yep. Like so many of our guests, Dennis. I mean, uh, it's too bad that we try to keep them to about 20 or 30 minute interviews because I, I could easily do two hours. I'm just not sure that all the listeners I don't know. would you might, appreciate you might do two a hours. Second, a second interview with Mayor's Manor. You could do that, John. Put it up on <laughs> You know that, what we need to do? Your... You know, you have the fourth period. We should do like the fourth period of the of the podcast <laughs> so we can release the first <laughs> podcast. And then there's like the director's cut. That right. If you want the additional conversation. The yeah. long form of the podcast, download part two of yeah. the podcast. We could do that. Absolutely. Um, in the first period, we, we yeah. left off with sort of a cliffhanger a little bit there. We were talking about goaltending. And just prior to that, I believe that you had made reference to Drew Doughty's comments. Mm-hmm. Um, who, Drew was obviously frustrated. And people were clamoring on social media to try to figure out, even Boomer was discussing it on NHL radio today. Uh, you know, who was Drew making reference to? You know, who was he talking about? Um, the leading culprits, at least according to social media, would mm-hmm. be Dubois, uh, Kevin Fiala. I've heard Trevor Moore in the conversation, even Kempe in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis, I don't know for sure. Drew did not name names. And um, I, I really think it's not our place to speculate uh, about who he was talking about with any sort of authority, because I want to be very clear. This is nothing but speculation. Yeah. As I was listening to him talk, I assumed he was talking about Kevin Fiala and perhaps the players on the second line, which they did not have a good night last night. And again, Todd made reference to that as well. I don't understand why people would think that it was Kempe nor do I understand why people would no. think that it's Dubois. Those two players, to me, it, it doesn't tie together. I, what's your What's your opinion on this? I mean, I guess well, you think it was Dubois because you, that's what you said earlier. Yeah. Although Todd said he had a good game last night. He did score a goal. I mean, he's up to 10 goals. So uh, I, I just... Um, I just don't think it's about the points, John. I think it's about the optics of, you know, who's trying to... Com- who The compete wasn't there. Right. And when you and it's stuff that that may not be obvious to the casual fan or the educated fan. And when you glide back to the bench for on a line change, like the players notice that you may not notice that you're probably following the puck, probably following the play. It, it's just the, the lack of compete for some players 
when they get being on plays or whatever. I, I think it. Look, if if there's going to be fingers pointed, unfortunately for Pierre Dubois, everything that goes wrong, somebody's going to point at him at this point. Whether it's collateral damage, whether if, whether it's warranted or justified or legitimate, people are going to point at him because of what's going on with his player. So, do I think was it? You know what? I, that's something the players are going to address in their own. So I don't really care. It doesn't really affect us. Um, so you can speculate all you like. Um, but I, I do think when you look at a, a line that went, each had minus four, what were they, minus 11 last night? Like, yeah, yeah. you, you got to think that that is probably entering into his thoughts, uh, Drew's thoughts last night. Drew began his opening line, though, Dennis, was, I think we have guys in the room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points and worried about stuff like that. That's why I never connected the dots back to Dubois. He wasn't talking about whatever, uh, you know, lazy, lackadaisical, you know, non-caring, whatever those well, things are. Well, he's certainly not playing for care. a contract, John, so it's not like he's on a contract drive. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, it's like, is he worried about himself? Is he worried about points? Like, I, to me, I just didn't think it was Dubois. It didn't feel that way. Um, I could be wrong. Um, you know, somebody can ask Drew. I, I yeah. think actually we did later in the thing. Uh, there was so much happening last night. Um, I do remember asking him if he if he actually had um, yelled at the team. I, I, I didn't use the word yell. I used his word. I'm trying to remember what it was. <laughs> he, he, he Go off. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. He said that several of the veteran players have gone off on the team and that when they do, yeah. like, you know, what I was asking, what do people say in the room and what's going on and what's the vibe? Really fascinating stuff from Drew last night. Would encourage you if I, you haven't. Yeah. Read it I, I or do listen want, to it. The yeah. audio is out there, and the full quotes, I transcribed them. They're up on mayorsmanner.com. Yep. I do want to say one thing about Dubois. To his credit, he has not hid one day about no. going through all this valley. I, it was a short practice today. There were two or three guys in the room. He was in the room, and mm-hmm. he talked to Dooley, and he talked to Eric Stevens, and he talked to Jesse Cohen. This guy has not hid from any of it. Now, some people could say, oh, why should he hide? He got his money. He's like, you know, he doesn't care. He's walking around Manhattan Beach all fat and happy. I'll give the credit with all the, the criticism heaped on that player. He has not avoided the media at all. I had somebody make an interesting comparison earlier today, and I'm curious for your response to this. He's like the new Dustin Penner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thought yeah. it was an interesting... Uh, I, I, I never connected that. the dots on that. Um, a little disappointed that I didn't, actually. But uh, <laughs> when when when... When I heard it, I, it just sort of hit me, and I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of, kind yeah. of interesting, right? Has a lot of potential, mm-hmm. uh, big body. Yep. You, you're clamoring for more, mm-hmm. and when he does it, you know, it's easy to get excited because you're seeing him do it. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know. Fair, I, I don't, I, fair. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't. I mean, we're 40 games in, right? I don't know where it's all going to play out. Um, I don't know either. I will say this: I found my conversation with Dubois, and we haven't done a podcast since then. I found my conversation mm-hmm. with him the other day. Yep. To be very interesting mm-hmm. because it was so different than previous conversations with him, including when he was on the podcast. And the conversation was very free flowing and and, yep. and he was articulate and everything. Else. He was sure. he was thoughtful and yet introspective. I never felt that he was dodging me. He, mm-hmm. uh, Dennis, you, you know, when you're in the room and no, someone but, doesn't want to talk, yeah. they wrap it up. Right. He never yeah. was wrapping it up. He was never nope. cutting his answer short. I could have stayed there as long as I wanted to and had a conversation with him and, yep. and it, everything was fine. So he was, I'm going to call it into the conversation, if you sure. will, for lack of a better phrase. And yet the questions really had him contemplating and thinking and wondering 
And at some points, he was almost like talking out loud as he was kind of like trying to mm-hmm. navigate his Process way everything. through mm-hmm. yep. the fact that he and Todd are not on the same page. They're not connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, and you saw some of Todd's frustration in that when I was asking Todd questions uh, After later the in the San Jose game. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. The same morning. Oh. Um, I talked to Dubois in the room and then I talked to Todd. So it was kind of a three way conversation. There was there was the original converse, uh, comment from Todd after the San Jose game where he mm-hmm. said, I need more from Dubois. I need it now. Something to that effect. Right. I then talked to Dubois 12 hours later the next morning and asked him about those comments, and then Dubois talked, and then I took Dubois' feedback, and then I went to Todd and talked to Todd about it and asked him, you know, sort of mm-hmm. for his reaction. Again, trying to look at the story from all sides. Helene yeah. Elliott would have been proud, right? Trying to look at it from all sides. <laughs> I remember that comment from her about 15 years ago and the importance of that, and it's always stuck with me. So yep. trying to be objective, trying to look at the conversation from, from all sides um, and multiple ways, and it was interesting to me how measured uh, and and sort of reflective that Dubois was to me, my interpretation, just my interpretation, mm-hmm. not his yeah. words. It was, I, I need more from my coach. I'm 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 struggling yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I'm and you know Todd responded back with, I'm not really sure what more, how much more we can pour into this guy. We've had individual meetings, we've yep. had team meetings. We, mm-hmm. Okay, fair comment. You've poured in a lot, but here's the thing: when you're a coach. Or when you're a manager in business, every employee and every teammate in this case has to be managed differently. Um, they, they have different needs. They have different wants. They all process things differently. Some yeah. people are visual learners, written learners, all of those sorts of things. There's been tons of study on, studies on this. Sure. So the point is that for whatever reason, those two are not connecting yet. They have not found the yep. connection. Okay, fine. It's been 40 games, but they'll figure it out at some point is what you would hope. Now, here's what's worried me, or what worried me last night, Dennis. It almost sounded like Todd was out of options, out of mm-hmm. solutions. If you remember in the post-game press conference, he talked at length about, I've, I've, I'm paraphrasing, I've been the hard ass, I've been the nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've been tough on them, I've praised them. Like he, was, he, he, had, he was saying that he had done all of these things, and yeah. he had used all of the... Uh, well, he didn't want to say bullets in the chamber, but right, all, right. All, he, he, as you would say, he pull, he's pulled all the levers. <laughs> he's pulled all the levers. Yes, yes, yeah. of course. He's pulled all the levers. I got the sense that he was almost saying, like, I'm not sure what lever to pull. And I'm not saying necessarily that that's his fault either. I'm just saying right. if you've pulled all the levers yeah. and you're not getting the results that you want, that is troublesome. Yeah, it is. Well, and you can't not think if you're listening out there, that they haven't had pointed conversations with that player. They have. Oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yes. No question. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I can, I don't state a lot of things for a fact. I know that's for a fact. So, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, then what do you do? Then, you know what? Then it's what Drew and Andre Kopitar said last night. It's on the players. Then, then at some point you have to man up and be better. And it doesn't matter who's coaching Todd, Sutter, Scotty Bowman, Toe Blake, it doesn't matter. At some Toe point Blake. in time, you have to look at you. Yeah, wow. Toe Blake, Toe Blake. Exactly. Wow. You, 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 at some point in time, you have to prep these players to execute. And you've got to ha- execute. And I, I think you have to compete. And at this point in time, the execution certainly isn't there. And now people are starting to question to compete. And that's a danger sign. And that's the question. And I said this I said, look, I watch this team. I observe this team. I'm there every day. Like, you know, they, they ran a drill two days ago at practice and they're all cheering and jumping up and down. And, 
going crazy and stuff like that. And I'm going, that's not a team that hates the coach. It's not the team that's tuned anybody out. And I've asked privately, if, you know, during this time, have you tuned the coach out? Absolutely not. But you just got to play better, John. It's as simple as that. I, I think sometimes the math is hard. I think this is just about execution and the willingness to sacrifice and to win games. Dennis, I want to be crystal clear when I say this so there's no confusion. No confusion. I, I believe 100% in my mind, in my heart, in whatever part of me, I believe this. This team has not quit on the coach, yeah. and they do not dislike this coach. I right. have believed that the entire time. That's part of the reason why over the last 12 games, Dennis, that I, I was telling you earlier in the first period, I never really felt you concerned. Felt, yeah. I never felt yeah. like there's a problem here. I mean, other than losing, that's a problem, right? There was a lot of close like, games that was frustrating for the team. Yeah, there was frustration yeah. in the room. Yes. Right? But there wasn't like, oh, like we're done or something like yes. that. Now, last night was concerning. Like that's the one thing. Like where is this going now? Yes. Like, it's all this frustration added up to where the point is like, oh, like we just don't have a shot. And so that's why I'm really interested in, you know, for, for various reasons of what happens on this three-game road trip. Right? I want to so give that, you yeah. – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go. I, I want to give you the continuation of my mental journey from last yeah, night. Please, please. Which was that in the that. third period, I was like, ooh, the energy has changed. There is something, mm. Something's off here. There might be some real serious deep-seated issues type mm -hmm. things, right? And for the first time, thoughts of major change had crept mm -hmm. into my head. What's so interesting to me is that 30 minutes later, all of that dissipated. And it was almost as if Drew talked me out of it and mm -hmm. then Todd to a lesser extent, but really Drew. Listening to Drew cemented what I already had known, what I already had believed, and I just, I guess I had a little bit of a momentary lapse in the third period okay. and started thinking about something else. And But Drew, what he said is the issue. And unfortunately, they don't have a Matt Green type. Mm -hmm. And I think that's right. a real issue in that room because... Drew even said, you really have to like listen to his comments multiple times, because I have now, and 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 go through each one, because there's, there's a lot of nuggets in there. And one of the nuggets was, hey, look, I'm a guy who talks a lot, and as a guy who talks a lot and talks all the time, that sometimes I don't get through to people. Well, let me tell you something, Dennis. That, 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 by the way, that was his quote. Not That was yeah. about him, not about me. I talk a lot, too. Right. But maybe, maybe that's it, Dennis. I just realized. Maybe that's why I don't get through to people. I talk a lot. Yes. But... Uh, what I what I realized in all of that was, or what it reminded me of is, for years I had said that Drew Doughty would never be captain of the LA Kings. And people right. were like, you're crazy. It's Drew Doughty. He's the captain. He's the mm -hmm. heart and soul. He's the fire. He's the this. Drew Doughty is a lot of things. He's a lot of things. He's a very important part of this organization. He's on the LA Kings Mount Rushmore. He's yep. going to get Hall of Fame. He's going to get the jersey retirement. The whole nine, Everything. Dennis. Everything. Except one thing. He's not the captain. Yeah. He, he he should not be the captain. He's not the captain. He could win the next five Norris trophies. He's not the captain. That's just not mm -hmm. true. Okay. Right. And that when he said that last night, I was reminded of that. And then I was again just sort of processing, as I think everybody has been, what's it going to take to 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 get this thing going? They don't have a Matt Green, somebody mm -hmm. who they love and respect, but at the same time, they fear. That room, yeah. Matt Green. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. when, yeah. when Matt Green talks, it comes with a lot of respect. And Kopitar's a great leader. Drew is mm -hmm. a great leader. They're great people. Uh, they're great men. They're loved by their teammates. But they need a Matt Green type. And they had several of them during their cup years. They had 
from Willie Mitchell to Robin Regeer to um, whoever else. Uh, there mm-hmm. were several of them then. Uh, Rob Scuderi. Um, they, they were of that ilk. And and I right. just don't think that that's in that room right now. And given his comments last night, they, they could certainly use somebody like that. And, and to draw a parallel, and he got there after the captain was named. I'll draw the parallel with respect to Drew and, and the team and Kobe's captain to Florida, where Matthew Kachuk is the passionate player. He's probably their MVP. Uh, when whenever Sam Reinhardt starts scoring goals, which maybe never, he might score seventy goals. But Kachuk's never going to be the captain because Barkov's the captain because that's the image of a captain in this league. Doesn't mean he's not a great player. Doesn't mean he's not leader. Not means he's not all in, which all the Jew is. So, so that's the parallel I would draw. And then the other thing, John, you talk about you know. And, and I know you and I have discussed this before about changing the name of the podcast to Kings of the Context, right? So that's that's one thing that uh, people have to understand. A lot of this is is context and not just uh, random thoughts. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Dennis, on a quick side note, um, I was actually oh. able to see while I was typing, which is an improvement. Um, so mm. thank you to Beach City's Optometry. Yes. So I Robert. did want to give a quick shout out. Uh, thank you so much for getting me some new glasses and getting me all dialed in. Uh, I can actually see the words that I'm typing. So if in any articles recently you've seen a misspelled word or something, <laughs> um, I will. Why. I will. Yes, I will gladly blame it on my old glasses. But I'm dialed in now. I have some new Beautiful. specs and I'm I'm Fantastic. good to go. So thank you. And for the stylist, well. John, they look good, 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 good well, on you. you thank know. you. I'm getting used to them. So yes, if you okay. need if you need Beautiful. glasses uh, or you need an eye exam, go look up Beach City Optometry. Uh, down there. And by the way, that's the building where the LA Kings have the, the murals on the side. Pretty cool uh, murals on the side of the optometrist office there. So absolutely. Yeah. Go check those out. Uh, Dennis, where do they go from here? Because if I read you a list of teams from call it the Christmas break until now, mm-hmm. and I said, pick out two teams that the Kings are going to beat. You only get two wins in that entire stretch of games. Yeah, there is no um, there's no possible way that you would have picked out the two teams Rangers. that they beat. You would not pick Rangers and Carolina, Carolina and Carolina. the Rangers. Yeah, you would not have guessed those two games. No. You would no. have picked probably any of the other two games. I would have picked Buffalo and San Jose. I mean, home. yeah, it's, it's right. I mean, maybe Detroit. I mean, there's a few others in there that you would have you would have picked. Um, right. I asked that question because how, how ironic and funny it is, but also because look at this next stretch of games. Three games, Colorado, two other games. Everyone keeps throwing around the word must win. And on one hand, you go, is the game against Colorado really a must win? Because if you're being honest, this team is in such disarray right now that they might not be capable of beating Colorado. But then on the other hand, you go, this team is capable of beating Colorado when they play at their best. And damn it, if Mm -hmm. they would just, like Drew said, play to their capabilities as a collective unit, they probably would win the game. I don't know how to feel about the Colorado game. I don't know what to think about it. No. Uh, And I think even if they, let's say, and if you watch Nathan McKinnon last night, you're probably really scared of your Kings fan. Uh, I I don't think, uh, short of like nine to one losing, it's not, here's the thing. The two other teams are directly behind them, Nashville and St. Louis. And they're not that far away. Kings have Two games in hand on Nashville and one on St. Louis, but they're only two points ahead of Na- Nashville and three ahead of St. Louis. Those are the two games. Plus, if you lose to Colorado and you lose to Nashville and St. Louis, that's 15 out of 17. 
Right. They, they, they're real. And, and then, you know, you're forcing people's hands at that point. So I think that, yeah, they're far more, they're, they're must, must wins. I, I don't know, you know, as much as I've advocated for the coach, like if you lose three more in a row, right. Uh, it's hard at, because you have that, that pause for the all-star break. You have 10 days off. Um, you can make changes with respect to the organization. So, yeah, St. Louis and Nashville are critical games for this team. I won't say must win. Must win is the game that eliminates you from the playoffs, right? That's the only must win. These are critical games for them in St. Louis and Nashville because they're, they're teams that on paper, you even though you're on the road, you should beat. And Colorado, on paper, you're not beating that team the way they're playing right now. Well, hold on. I, we're probably yeah. going to debate semantics here for a second, but I would okay. say that those – Games two and three of the road trip in St. Louis and uh, Nashville, those are must win because if you lose those two games, changes are likely to happen at that point. So they are must win. Well, they're must win for certain individuals. It's yes, not that, must. Yes. It's not must win for the season. Like if you actually lost those you. three games, you're still probably wild card two, maybe even still wild card one. Um, and then you got to, the thing is coming out of the break, what's the first game Edmonton at home. And then you go on the road. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a difficult stretch here. So yeah, it's, it's must win for certain people. It's not a must win. Cause again, my, the way I terminal, my terminology is that that would end your season. This would not end their season. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yep. And yes. And ultimately you and I disagree on a lot of things, but I think we've agreed on this point that ultimately this team, this year, this season, this management team, et cetera, the evaluation will come beginning in game 83. It's mm-hmm. what happens in the postseason. It's not about how many games they win yeah. in the regular season. Right. It's no. not about how many goals they score. It's not about how many trophies individuals win. It's about what they do in the postseason. And after the disappointing losses to Edmonton each of the last two years, this is a year where they need to make some hay in the postseason. Mm-hmm. If they do that, it's a successful season. And a lot of what we're talking about right now, Dennis, will kind of yep. be washed away uh or in six months from now we'll look back at this time period and go wow there was there was a heavy blizzard coming and uh that was the precursor to everything yep. you know happening yeah uh, no it, it's, it's a critical time for the organization and stuff like that. but but again th- here's the one thing though john it in the conversation you say you evaluated you know in the playoffs and stuff like that <laughs> the way they're playing there's a question here like do they make the playoffs and that's not negotiable, right? So that would make the evaluation very easy. It was a failure, right? Oh, and that's 100%. the one danger. That's the one danger I see right now is that you had you had a nice cushion, and it's evaporated. So now, yeah. now this is the playoffs, right? This is the play- and, and look, this team's been like that before. Remember, it was a one, was it two seasons ago when they first made the playoffs? They were in playoff mode from like game forty. Well, guess what? They need that same sense of urgency from two second two seasons ago to play with a sense of urgency in the back half of the season to make the playoffs. And then it doesn't matter where you finish, right? It doesn't matter. For, like, well, they're not finishing first the way they're playing, but just get in and then take your chances. Maybe Overson comes back. Maybe you get better goaltending at this point in time. So it's, you know, that's my perspective on like what's happening right now. All right, let's wrap it up with the goaltending because I did mention that in the, uh, at the end of the first period there. Yeah, They have not been getting good goaltending. And ironically, Cam Talbot has not been solid between the pipes since the time that he was announced as an all-star. So the timing is kind of a little bit strange. Um, they don't have a lot of money, Dennis. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you you what are you going to do? Because you can't just put a guy on waivers because, you know, uh, I mean, you can, but that's not yeah. going to solve your problem. At some point, you need 
better goaltending. Are, yeah. are these the two guys that they're going to have to get it done with? I, I think so. Here's the thing with Cam, though. He's the real – you mentioned, you know, he, he's gone through a stretch, John. He hasn't won in nine games. He's 0-6-3, and I think in the last six games, he's had one game over 900 save percentage. He had the 41 say, uh, 38 saves in, in Flor- against Florida, right? So that, that they lost an overtime. But he hasn't won in nine games. So you can talk about – I just think that the goaltending is an offseason conversation, right? You may have to head it off to Riddich or Riddick. I guess this year it's Riddick, John. I don't know if you've corrected yes. me. Well, there are, yes, it's, uh, this year it's Riddick. Riddick, okay. You could, I, I, with, with all, look, once Victor comes off an injured reserve, you don't have any room. So you're going to have to, you have to swap out, what, a million dollar goaltender for another million dollar goaltender? What's that going to achieve? What's that going to prove? So I, I think you're, you basically, the die was cast, right, when you made the trade in the, in the offseason. And everybody was okay with it. You know, when the team's winning and Cam's playing really well, everybody said, oh, they're really smart. They only spent, you know, two and a half million dollars in net. Now it's not good enough because the player isn't playing good. So, look, when things go off the rails, a lot of stuff has gone off the rails, and that's why they're in the predicament they are. And goaltending has to be one of them. Cam's got to be better. He, he, you know, he's, he's stopping shots. Like, in November and October, he's not stopping now. And the one concern is that, I think you mentioned this, is that you're starting to see parallels to what happened last season. And they don't really have anybody to bail them out at this point. No, they don't. Well, because Phoenix Copley being injured has is, is really thrown a wrench in all of this because their backup plan was Riddick, and he's already been thrust into to action there. So yep. they don't have a lot of room. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of something happening. It would have to be, I mean more cap gymnastics they would have to figure something out as we get closer to the trade deadline yeah however i just i it's that's exactly what i was going to say it's really not a conversation for right now though because this is the group that's going to have to work Mm -hmm. its way out and if they do well then they can find a way to perhaps you know uh do something at the trade deadline as minimal as it would be because they do not have the cap flexibility nor do they have the contracts to trade to really do something big and um, that's basically where it's at. So, Dennis, very intrigued to see how this team responds to uh, Drew Doughty's comments. That was a very interesting plane flight, mm-hmm. I would imagine, today <laughs> to Colorado. Um, you know, you have everybody in one tube for three hours. Uh, we'll have yep. to see how they respond tomorrow. And then those next two games, we'll schedule another therapy session uh, yes, here in the will. next couple of Kings days. Rehab. Yes, more Kings rehab. Hopefully, uh, we have some positive stuff to talk about, though, DB, on this road trip. On road. Sounds great, Jay. All right, everybody, have a great week. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. Going places that I've never been. Seeing things that I may never see again. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Here we go. On the road again. Like a band of gypsies, we go down the highway. We're the best of friends, insisting that the world keep turning our way. And our way is on the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Big finish. And I can't wait to get on the road again.